And now, a shameless plug. Trolls, Hulder, and Draugr, oh my. Join the family of the Thorolfsons as adventure finds them at every step, told in a style similar to that of the Icelandic sagas mixed with folktale stylings. This book explores the fantastic as it explores the world through the eyes of a family in an undisclosed Nordic setting. Foxes, wolves, dragons, and more will test the mettle of this unsuspecting family as they hold true to their heathen values and explore the unseen world around them. Through all these tribulations, they learn the most important lesson of all. Family is everything. Up now on uh, the Kindle ebook shop, as well as on Amazon.com, you can find my book, The Saga of Bjorn Thorolfsson. It's available in paperback and in ebook format. So give it a check out. This is a story some of you may be familiar with from my channel that I've been telling for a little while. It's finally been finalized and put together into book form. So check it out and uh, let me know what you guys think. And now, back to the show. Hi there, I'm Eric Wordweaver Shervin, Gothi of the Ridgar Folk here in East Texas, and I would like to welcome you to The Raven's Call. This is a show where I ramble on about different heathen-related subjects, just kind of whatever floats my boat or uh, sets my mind on fire at the time. And uh, big UPG warning at the beginning of these things, guys, I am not a hardcore recon. Uh, I'm kind of middle of the road on things. I'm not Fluffy Bunny either. I tend to kind of air somewhere in the middle. There are certain things I'm more recon on and certain things that I'm a little bit more organic growth on. So it varies and depends entirely upon my particular take. Uh, for those of you that have watched the channel for a while, you guys know my slogan is not my haul, not my call. I'm not one of those guys that's going to tell you you're doing it wrong, except in a few areas. There are a few that I do hold to be, if you're not doing this, I can't really call you a heathen. So. That's not what this is about today. So before we get started, little housekeeping stuff. If you guys like the videos, hit thumbs up, subscribe, ding the bell, all that fun stuff down at the bottom, please. Uh, the more you interact with my videos, the more they get out there, the more people see them, and the more it shares the information. Now, I'm not one that's playing a numbers game, so I'm not going to drive for, you know, subscribers and like numbers. Um, it does let me know what you guys enjoy. Uh, it does let me know that you guys like the videos and like the content, so the comments, the thumbs up, everything is very much appreciated and helps me to make the channel more what we need it to be, uh, more along the lines of you know helping and uh, passing on information to younger generations. My goal in all of this with the channel is just to inspire people to think, maybe think things in a different direction, to hear a different point of view on how you do heathenry, uh, and just to know kind of how I go about things. So I'm not saying mine is the only way, uh, it's not by a long shot, this is just my way. It's not even reflective necessarily of the greater philosophies and views of my tribe in general. Uh, Ritgar tends to have its own Everybody's individual. Uh, hearth cult is extremely important to me, and I respect the sovereignty of the hearths within my tribe. And uh, there's some really intelligent people with some really cool ideas. So, shout out to Ridgar. Love you guys. So, without any further ado, I do have, well, okay, maybe a little bit more ado. Um, for those of you that don't know, I have written a book, The Saga of Bjorn Thorlson. It is up on Amazon.com, it is on the Kindle ebook shop. So you can find it there. It's a storybook. Uh, it's designed to, it centers around the family of Bjorn Thorlson and tells the tale of this family as they go through some fantastic, uh, by fantastic I mean uh, kind of spirit world, otherworldly kind of things as well as mundane. Uh, it, it walks a lot of different paths. Uh, but it explores their heathenry as they exist within the world and try to explore their adventures and their uh, 
and just get pie. So uh, it's um, something that started up as a little project. There's a video up on here that kind of explains more about it. So if you guys are interested, check it out, please. Anything that you do, uh, any purchases go to help support the channel and uh, keep doing what we do. So anyway, without any further ado, let's jump on into today's subject. Now, today I want to revisit the subject of the vates here as they pertain to the Husvetia and the, the interaction between the two. Now, this was all born from a conversation I was having with my tribe and my surrounding folk community. Um, we have this little conversation going and uh, hit on some really cool subjects that I kind of take for granted sometimes. And then in some ways, I haven't really necessarily codified and put into words. It's stuff that made sense to me, but it wasn't necessarily something that I had a quick and ready explanation for. So this conversation was a great way for us to kind of delve into the details on that a bit and to flesh it out some. Um, and I loved it. It was a great conversation, lots of fun. So I hope you guys are having similar conversations with your people. But uh, I wanted to share some of that with you guys because I've touched on the Vetir before. I've talked about the Husvetir. And then I have talked about, you know, how do you please the Husvetir? How do you uh, stay on good terms with him, uh, her, it, however, uh, however that maps out for your particular Husvetir. And then uh, we've also talked some about the Vetir and how I, sh how I see the Vetir and their hierarchy and how they are, they have a hierarchy, but it's different than what we as humans necessarily have. And I want to touch a little bit on that today in relation to the boundary of the Husvetir and the Lanvetir. Uh, Lanvetir meaning the land spirits, all right? So, Let's revisit the Husvetir real quick because there's a concept within the Husvetir that I think... See, I use the term Husvetir because it's from the Norse Icelandic side of things. Uh, it's the house spirit, the house... Uh, the Vetir, which is spirit. And uh, there is another term for this entity that is used more in the Anglo-Saxon side of things, more in the, the recon side of, uh, of the world, which is Kofgod, or C-O-F-G-O-D. Uh, Kofgod is literally the, the god of the Kof. And... Um, I, it's not a term that I use for my Husvetir, obviously I use Husvetir, uh, but there is a connotation therein that I think is valuable in this, and that is the title of God, because it is God with a little g, it's a small localized God, and the idea being that your Husvetir has almost godlike powers within its sphere of influence. Now. What is the Husvetir's sphere of influence? Why would we see it as a localized god? Well, when you look at the Vetir, okay, when we revisit my Vetir thing, I see the Vetir as having natural kind of hierarchies for different areas, especially looking at Lanvetir, okay? Now, looking at Lanvetir, you see that, you know, you've got the base level Vetir, which are the base spirits that we interact with, the mid-level Vetir, which are more of the in and out of uh, physical and ephemeral state, uh, and then Fey folk, Hidden folk, Huldra, things like that. Uh, and then you've got the overarching kind of alpha spirit for an area, which is the dominant localized god. Um, you will see a lot of cultures that worship that spirit as their god. Not so much the gods like we do necessarily, um, and some heathens will do this too. Um, they will have a specific 
relationship with and reverence for worship for the localized god, the god of the lake, the god of the swamp, the god of the mountain. Um, these are the alpha level vatir that I refer to. These are the ones that are lords of their domain. Now, the husvetir is a so. It's a lavatir sort of, uh, it's a spirit that is taken into the home, invited into the home by whoever is the head of the household uh, and usually tended to by the lady of the hall, um, largely because the hall is her domain. Uh, that's, that's her protective area. That is where she has uh, influence. That's where she is in control. Um, and by Lady of the Hall, I'm not going gender specific necessarily with that. Um, that's just simply terminology for the thing. Um, being whoever is the key holder for the house kind of thing. The one that is uh, uh, whose domain is the domestic area. And so that spirit is brought into the home, invited and given a place. They're given an altar, given an idol, uh, if you will, and depending on your particular layout. And that spirit becomes the embodiment of the home, the health of the home. It is the protective spirit that looks over the home and that brings luck to the denizens of that home. That is the little god of the homestead. The, and by homestead, I mean to look at this area of influence. There is a conception within heathenry in, in kind of modern times where things have been diluted a bit uh, that the Husvetir is solely of the house. And that can come some from some of the kind of Norse Icelandic folk stories, folk tales of like the Tomta and the Nisa, which tend to be centered around specific buildings. Those I see as manifestations of the Husvetir, or even representatives of the Husvetir, kind of mid-level Vetir that work for, in lack of a better term, the Husvetir. The Husvetir becomes, it's the spirit that you imbue with a position of honor, just like you would, okay, if someone comes in and becomes chieftain of a tribe, um, you are granting them that honor in that position. Uh, when you imbue a spirit to be your Husvetir, your Kofgot, uh, you are honoring them with that position. You are giving them that title and you are showing them the reverence and the respect that is due to that particular title. This raises their elevation and the energies that you pour in, the relationship that you have with them and the offerings that you give them, uh, the traditions that you build with them, build their spiritual power, their main. And they become an alpha level spirit over the domain of the homestead. And so they do become the god with a little g over this area. And the specific area that we refer to is not just the home itself, but all of the worked areas wherein man has laid claim, so to speak, okay? So if you've got a well-kept yard and you've got um, like for instance, I'll kind of describe my place loosely. I've got three acres out in the middle of nowhere and we have uh, an area that is well kept. It's an area that we mow regularly. We keep the, the brambles beat back and that uh, we've kind of developed into our space, you know, uh, that's our yard. And beyond that is a hedgerow, which is the wooded area uh, at the edge of the property. And some of that is still on my property. I still own that property, uh, but it is not worked area. It is still wild space. 
And the Lanvatir, because they are wild spirits, don't prefer worked space, okay? Well, it's not the big alpha spirits that we're talking about. They like their space. And when you come in and you do like a land taking over an area, when you do a ritual to lay claim and stewardship over your land, uh, you come in and typically what a land taking looks like is, uh, one of the ones that I've used anyway, is you go around and you take uh, soil from the four corners of the area that you're claiming as your land, and then you bring it back to the homestead, uh, back to the house itself, and put it, typically if you're doing it before you build the building, you'll put it where the threshold for the front door will be, or at least the main entrance of the building, what you will view as the threshold of the house, uh, even if that's the side door, kitchen door, whatever it is you plan on using as your threshold, because I know people who have never opened their front doors in their entire existences. <laughs> um, you have you would put it there. Uh, if not, then you would put it in front of, if it's like after the building's been built, you would put it in front of the threshold uh, as close as you could, or at least in the front yard, the main area, focal point of the home. And uh, you place foot on it, and this is the homeowner doing this, not necessarily the ritual, tra traditional ritual leader for your tribe. The homeowner themselves actually needs to be the one that does this particular ritual. Place foot on the, uh, the gathered soil that represents the four corners of what you are laying claim to, four corners being very figurative. It doesn't have to be the actual corner corners but claiming space and uh, then you would go through a ritual declaration of ownership of the land this is my land this is I'm taking stewardship of this land and stewardship is an important point because you're not just taking ownership of the land you're taking responsibility for the land of the upkeep and the care for the land so you are declaring your stewardship of the land and that this is your space at that point in time, um, if you have a Husvatir who has come with you, or if you are inviting one in, you would kind of establish that link and declare this space for them and say, you are now the lord of this spiritual space. You know, this is your land because this is my land. The Husvatir, or the Kofgod, is part of your inner yard. They are part of your Inengard. They are the spiritual side of the unseen side of your hearth and uh, they are very much a part of that inner circle they are part of your yard heathenry is very much about the interaction between yards we have the yard of the tribe the even the tribe itself is the interaction of individual hearth yards under one leadership as a greater yard and then the yard of the tribe interacting with the yard of the divine the sacred the gods and uh, that's why in a lot of times you'll see, like especially in recons, uh, focus on tribal ritual when interacting with the gods because you are interacting as yards, not necessarily as individuals, but as a representative of this yard. So typically when, uh, in, in some circles, not all, um, you will see a big focus on doing ritual with the gods as tribe focused. And then hearth rituals focus more on the Kof god, as they call it, and uh, the ancestors. So, because ancestors is a big thing. We need to do another video on the ancestors as far as, you know, focusing on how to really develop that. So, I'm going to come back to that because that has been a request I've gotten lately. So, your Kof god is part of your yard, and uh, they are a warden of that yard. They are a luck bringer. They grant luck to the family. The health of the Husvatir is the health of the homestead. And so it's not necessarily a little god of the house, it's a little god of the homestead, the whole yard, worked area. Now, like I was describing, I have worked areas and I have wild areas in my yard. Now I own all of that, but 
the area of influence of my Huswitir is the worked areas, the claimed land. Uh, it goes down, you know, we've got this main area up top, which I call the top deck, because uh, it's up on a hill kind of, and then it comes down into a ravine, and uh, I've got the drive, and I've got what my game field and my vase kind of off to the side, and then I've got the top deck where the main living area is and the animals and all that are at. So in the middle out here is a wild hedgerow that is wild. Um, we work with it, we push with it, um, but there's a part of it that will always remain wild. Um, personal reasons. <laughs> I like it. And so it's a personal thing. But here's the thing. The wild areas are still the realm of the Lavatir. They are the realm of the those that are not of the worked areas. This is my yard. All of that worked area is my yard. That is the domain of my Husvetir. All of the lesser Vetir that in inhabit that area um, all of even the mid-level ones that come in and out fall under the purview of my Husvetir. all right so we have um, like we've got raccoons that come through there uh, we've got roadrunners that come through there that are part of you know our stead they're there they live there uh, not just in the wild areas but largely in our lived-in areas and they fall under the purview of my Husvetir, sort of my yard cats and things like that Yes, they are wild spirits, but especially when you look at my yard cats, they fall under the protection of my Husvetir, and you can tell a difference. They are very much a part of my yard versus wild stray cats that may come through that are not part of my yard. They're still out there on the wild side of things, especially bobcats and coyotes and things like that. We will get incursions occasionally from the wild into our worked area, into the land of the Husvetir. Uh, those boundaries will be tested. The wild is constantly trying to push back against those worked boundaries, and we have to work to maintain those. Now, Yerhusvatir has a certain level of spiritual power. This is directly related to the relationship that you have with the Husvatir, as well as its own natural power. Um, the more that you feed your Husvatir with ritual, with offering, the stronger the Husvatir becomes. And it is a balance between the power of the Husvetir and the spread of the property. If you overreach with what your Husvetir is capable of handling, uh, then you end up with a weakened Husvetir. And so things begin to kind of fall apart around the homestead. Um, you've overreached and you've taken on more than you can handle. Uh, a lot of times this is simply because uh, we just don't have the time or the energy or whatever to be able to go through and really work those areas the way that we need to. A lot of times it can be because we are neglecting our offerings and ritual aspects with the Husvetir. We're not giving them the due honor, the due gifts, the reciprocation. Because we give gift to the Husvetir so that the Husvetir will bless us with luck and protection in our homestead. Um, you want good crops? Bless your Husvetir. You want protection from the wild things? Bless your Husvetir. That's, that's that give and take kind of thing there. They, they will protect the space. They will bless the space, but you need to give back to them. It's that reciprocal relationship like we talked about in the Husvetir video. Now, the wild things, the, the Lanvetir that are out of your yard, the outer yard Lanvetir, they can still inhabit land you own, but they won't inhabit worked areas. They tend to shy away from those because that is the domain of 
the Husvetir. So it's very much a territorial thing because they are Vetir. One of the problems that I see a lot is people trying to anthropomorphize with the Vetir. They want to apply human thought and reason to the Vetir. And the problem is, unless it's a humanoid Vetir, uh, and even then they're no longer human, <laughs> they are spirit. And uh, like dealing with the ancestors is different than dealing with the Lanvetir, okay? Um, the Lanvetir are wild things. They are different. They are other. They're not of the yard. That doesn't necessarily mean they're hostile, but it does mean they're not of the yard, okay? They are not, like for instance, I have neighbors. They're not real close neighbors, but I have neighbors. And they are not part of my yard. They are not part of my inner yard. They're not part of my Enengarth. They are still part of the kind of community area. I am aware of them. I know where their boundaries are. I know where the boundaries of their property butt up against the boundaries of mine. And I know what happens if I encroach on theirs or if they encroach on mine. Now we're humans, so we can, you know, build a human understanding of these boundaries. You have to speak a different language when you're talking with the Vaitir, and you have to understand that they are not bound by the same social contracts that we are as humans. Because as humans, we assume frith and through frith obligation. You know, that's the basis of frith, is this, this mutual obligation to one another. And they are not bound by this because they are wild. They are not bound by the same things as human beings in that respect. So they do not owe you <laughs> the same kind of obligation you would have with someone with whom you've built frith in your immediate circle. Um, even if they're not part of your yard, if they're of the close outer yard, uh, you can still build frith with those people through mutual obligation and understanding and time. Um, it's not as strong as it is you know, here, but you know, it's still built over time. Um, they're not bound by that because that's not a concept that is a Vaitir concept, that's a human concept. So you gotta think about things differently with them. Um, a frith will absorb a lot of things. You can rub somebody the wrong way within the frith yard and you may have crosswords, but you'll be okay. Frith will absorb a large part of uh, some in miscommunications and things like that. Um, not so much with the Vaitir. Um, think about it like you can feed a wolf. You can build a relationship with a wolf. You can, you know, there, there's a lot that you can do there. Uh, case in point, we have our domesticated animals. Uh, those have been brought into the yard, though. Um, if you are in the wild, yeah, of course, you can you can get up close to a wild wolf, and I mean wild wolf. Um, you can feed it, you can get in space, but if you spook it the wrong way, if you do the wrong thing that it sees as threatening because you don't speak the same language it does, um, and it doesn't have a clear way to communicate to you other than the ways that we have learned to understand their language, if you do something wrong, it will turn and bite you. Uh, either out of fear or aggression or whatever the situation may be. And it's not something we always have a clean and clear understanding on. Some people are better at interacting with the Vaitir because they understand the Vaitir a little bit more, especially those individuals I find that have a strong Fera soul complex, those that are still tightly tied to their uh, that, that Vaitir spirit within us. 
and uh, those individuals can in a lot of ways naturally interact with the Vaetir, the wild ones, even outside of the yard, uh, the same way that certain humans are just good at interacting with other humans, regardless of whether or not they're in the yard. Uh, we all know those people that can get up and talk to anybody in a social circle and be fine. You know, they're, they're just great. We know those introverts that unless you are in their inner circle, they're not talking to you. Uh, they're not coming out of their hole. No. Um, I know some people who are that gifted, the, the gift of gab kind of thing, they have it with the Vaytir and really can build those relationships. Now, again, the Vaytir, the Lanvatir are outside of our yard, outside of our circle. So they're not part of our inner circle. Can they be brought in? Maybe. Uh, there's a problem there. Uh, an alpha level Vaytir is not going to want to relinquish its control. Uh, it is an alpha level for a reason. You're not going to have two alpha wolves in a pack. That's just not going to play out that way. Um, you either get under the true alpha or you get out of the way. And it will either chase you off or kill you. The law of nature, how it works. So, when we're dealing with Vaytir, again, with that kind of law of nature kind of thing, um, they're not going to be keen on sharing domain. You either have to relinquish and live within their domain and by their rules, or... If you want to live in a you know, kept yard and a house and things like that, developments, um, <laughs> you're going to have to create some boundaries uh, because they're not going to want to relinquish control to your husvetir. Uh, that alpha level spirit's not going to live under your husvetir. They're going to go somewhere else. Now, it will be neighboring property probably, uh, or they could wander far. It just depends. It varies. Anyway, if they do this, and they do still stay close, and you've got your worked area butting up against wild area. This is where our interaction with the Vaytir come in handy, because by developing somewhat of a relationship with those neighboring Lanvetir, you know, the wild ones in the woods to the south, or your, if you've got mountains to the north, or whatever, um, those wild spaces, the unkept spaces, um, building a relationship with them is like being on good terms with your neighbors. Uh, you have a neighboring kingdom, you've got uh, you know, neighboring tribes. It's good to be on good terms with them because you have trade that way. You know, if you want to be able to go through the wild day tier space and not you know, fall victim to uh, their defensive natures, then you need to build a relationship with them. Either that or be strong enough to incur into their space and then understand there's going to be some hostility there because you are an invading force in that respect. Um, so it's beneficial to build relationships with these kind of side neighbor Vetir, um, but it's not going to be the same kind of relationship you have with your Husvetir. You're not going to become close chummy friends necessarily. You always need to be on your guard because they're not human. They're not human spirits. They are wild Lanvatir spirits, and they're not bound by the same rules we are. So assuming that they will be will get you stuck every time. A great way to look at this is to look at some of the old fairy stories out of the UK and Northern Europe, because I see the Fae as being mid-level Vaytir, uh, and some of the fairy kings and queens being alpha Vaytir for their areas. Now, there are tons of stories, tons of stories, of travelers that get sucked into fairy rings or that uh, eat fairy food or dance in fairy circles that never come back. You know, they cross 
over and they think they're good because they're assuming a mutual respect based on human interactions, only to find the duplicitous nature of the Fae is that they're going to take what they desire. And that's the thing, human beings have got, um, it's kind of like an id, ego, super ego kind of thing. Um, you know, if you're into that, that kind of uh, psychology world, um, they too are more driven by the id versus humans that are more driven by the superego. Um, ego, of course, existing in the middle of the sense of self and all of that. So they're very much driven by desire. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call it hedonistic, but they're born of necessity, desire, desire for survival, desire for procreation, desire for expansion and you know power, things like that. Depends on the Vaitir, the nature of the Vaitir in question, because no two Vaitir are exactly the same. And uh, it varies depending on region, and the culture of the Vaitir of the area kind of stuff. You know, anyway, the gist here being that you can get sucked up and think you're doing fine only to end up becoming the victim of Vaitir who are not necessarily malicious in nature. Some may be, um, some not. But nonetheless, they play by different rules. And if they see you as prey and they lure you in and then you end up their prey. <laughs> I mean, that's simple as that because you're assuming that they're going to function by the same rules as human beings and they don't. So that's an important thing to keep in mind. That is not to demonize the Vaitir in any way, shape, form, or fashion. I have mad respect for the Vaitir. The wild spaces are incredible, especially if you can build enough of a relationship to be welcome there, to understand the Alpha Vaitir's rules for that area, and you honor that. Uh, you can harvest from there with the appropriate, you know, responsible reciprocation of uh, respect and ritual. So yeah, you can do that. And uh, there's much to be gained from that. And there are people that go out and live in the wild spaces with the wild things, and they fall under that alpha Vaitir's purview at that point because they become a wild thing. Um, that's the old man in the mountain kind of deal. Uh, if you want to become a wild thing, then yeah, of course you can exist in their world, but that's because you were accepting them as the localized god, etc., etc., etc. The Husvetir is for the civilized world and the living in, and I, by civilized I mean specifically in the developed, like, mowed lawn, or at least brush-hogged land, um, cleared land, worked land kind of stuff. If you're going to be working a farm, then you need to be on good terms with the Husvetir. Um, the lesser spirits that end up becoming under the purview of your Husvetir, you need to have a relationship with them too. You get that by being on good terms with their lord, which is your Husvetir, the Kovgod, however you want to use the terminology. And so by building that relationship, you build a relationship with the localized Vaitir, the lesser Vaitir, the mid-level Vaitir, that will then help you in the development of the land and the, you know, building it into a thing, a beautiful place that is safe for you and safe for them and that everyone benefits from because there's this mutual understanding, this mutual give and take. Beautiful thing, wonderful thing. The key thing is to remember that all of that, you know, if you're gonna go out and work with the Vaitir, you know, you're gonna go out and work with the spirits in your garden, you're gonna go out and uh, till the land, things like that, is to remember that those are your Husvetir's spirits. They are their people. Your Husvetir is Lord of the spirits of this realm. Just as you are Lord of the, the human side of this, they are Lord of the spirit side of this. And so, the two work together to kind of co-rule an area and uh, co-rule your homestead 
and everybody benefits from it. It's a beautiful, glorious thing. The boundaries are important, you know, whether or not you push back or they gain head. Uh, it just depends because, you know, if you don't work the area, if you overstretch your veitier, if your veitier gets, if your husvetier gets weak, then the wild things are going to encroach on your worked land and you're going to have to fight them back. You're going to have to push it back. Anybody that has tried to keep up acreage understands what I mean by having to fight the wild things back. Because if you let up even a little bit, it will start to encroach. You know, you can clear cut all of this and then that hedgerow is gonna try and push back into it and try to take it over. It's not like it all just goes boop. It pushes back in from the edges because that is the Landvetier space. And they're going to push back in because they want the space back. Yes, it's a kind of almost warlike situation sometimes with the hedgerow and uh, maintaining those boundaries but it doesn't have to be you know you can work it you can have clear a clear understanding that you know this is your space this is my space i'm not going to encroach on that i'm not going to develop that that is a wild space for you to remain wild and by honoring you there and by leaving offerings at the edge of the hedgerow uh, to build this relationship with each other uh, maybe you will leave the incursions a little less into my world <laughs> you know uh, maybe you won't send the hogs over into my property nearly as much uh, maybe you won't, you know, send the predatory animals up here to eat my animals. Uh, not a given. They are still wild things. They are still not bound by obligation. Uh, they are bound by desire and need. So coyotes are going to come and eat your chickens. Um, doesn't matter necessarily how much of a relationship you build up with the alpha. They may be able to intervene a little bit. Um, but it's still food and they're going to eat. So mm, it's, it's a thing, especially when it comes down to um, do we uphold this relationship obligation or do I feed my, my, my minions? I'm going to feed my minions. So that's the kind of thing that you're going to run into there. There will still be incursions. You'll still get bobcats and coyotes and things like that because they don't play by our rules. <laughs> we are then we then need to step up and defend our boundaries and to defend our yard. We do this to assist our husvetier and to strengthen our husvetier, and our husvetier will do its part too. I actually do not see a whole lot of incursion into our property, um, largely because we're surrounded by pasture land on all sides, so the coyotes tend to run and harry the calves and whatnot out in the pasture lands more so than our areas. I think they would have, the neighbors would have less of an issue with um, harrying of their cattle and things like that if they either A, worked the land more, or B, uh, strengthened their husbetir. But they're not heathen. I don't think they're even aware of their husbetir. So I can't imagine it's terribly strong. I imagine it's strong enough simply because it exists with them in the space. But I think they're doing a, the brunt work uh, and uh, as such, you get limited results from that. Uh, by building a relationship with our husvetir, we get better results because we have a better relationship with our land. And that's a key thing there. So, big things to take away from this particular rambly video is that landvetir are different than husvetir in that they don't play by our rules, all right? The husvetir that you have in your home, uh, in your homestead, has agreed to play by the rules that you have established with them. And that's different for each individual person and their individual hearth god uh, because <laughs> they are, that, that's a relationship specifically between them. And so they may have a different relationship. They may be that you have to give uh, food offerings once or twice a week. You may need to give 
uh, ale offerings once a month or something like that. I don't know. It depends. Uh, some of them may want shiny trinkets. Some of them may want candies. Some of them, it varies. I don't know. It depends. Uh, every Husbeth here is a little bit different. So, uh, but you build these relationships over time. You develop these things. And then that hearth god, that Husbeth here, becomes the dominant spirit for that space. So anyway, um, so the things to take away. Wild things are wild. <laughs> they don't play by uh, the civilized rules or the social contract rules because they're not part of it. Uh, that's not their world, that's our world. Uh, that is what we were gifted by the gods and that is what sets us apart from the wild things even though we still have a piece of the wild within us which allows us to interact with the wild things and to understand the wild things. Some better than others uh, some people are so weakened in the fera side of things that they just don't get the wild things at all. They're purely civilized, uh, and they exist purely in the civilized world. Now, of course, you can get into other things, such as spirits that, uh, that live in solely industrialized, in solely developed spaces that aren't necessarily of, like, Husvetir style. Uh, but live in like the electronic spaces that live in the heavily industrialized spaces. Uh, there are there are spirits that occupy those spaces as well that have adapted to those spaces, and that's something that we can look at in the future. Because I very much believe that there is a whole new brew of Vatir kind of spinning up and evolving around us as technology develops. And uh, anybody who's ever interacted with a computer that definitely has a mind of its own, I think you get what I'm getting at. So come back to that. It's kind of like cars that have a spirit. You know when a car has a spirit, and you know how to interact with that car, because um, it definitely has a mind of its own. My Corvette was temperamental, to say the least, and she was incredible. Great, great, loved Bloodrothen, but um, she she was definitely temperamental, and uh, I worked heavy with that spirit, and uh, eventually the tornado took her, so I lost her to the Jotun, but it is what it is, unfortunately. So take away that the wild things are wild the uh, hearth god has its own domain and it is different your relationship with your hearth god your husvetir uh, sets the presence and power of that space uh, work the space to grant that space to your husvetir and uh, as kind of offering and to establish its domain you know you go out and you fight the wild things to build the domain of your husvetir and your Husvetir will rule well over that space. So anyway, it's a long kind of rambly video about the relationship between wild things and the Husvetir, between the Lanvatir and the Husvetir. Wild things and your hearth god. I kind of like that term hearth god. I think I may start adopting it in some settings. Because um, it's kind of like Kovgod, uh, but a little bit more to my aesthetic. I don't know, we'll see. So anyway, guys, thank you guys for watching. I hope you found this interesting. Uh, the Vatir is a very specific kind of it's its own world and so it's very much a part of the heathen worldview it's very much a part of our existence in the world because you know i i hit the main four relationships relationship with the gods and goddesses ancestors with our folk and with the vatir of the land around us uh, mostly speaking of our hearth god our kof god our husvetir uh, and the vatir of our space our regard but our interactions with the Lanvatir and the wild things are important too. So just from a different point of view, and you got to remember they're not of your yard. They are separate and play by their own rules. So I know it, part of the reason why I hit on the whole uh, spatial aspect of things is because some people 
have a hard time with the idea of driving out the Vatier of a space. And when you talk about driving the Vatier out of a space, you're talking about driving off the alpha level spirit so that your spirits can take up control. Yes, it's 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 territorial, it's give and take, but it's also the natural lay of the land. If you look at, you know, lion prides, wolf packs, things like that, they set up a territory and they can lose that territory to another pack or pride or whatever that comes into there and takes it over. Uh, if you look at uh, like a lion pride, uh, you have a new alpha male come in, they're gonna either kill off the old alpha male or drive them off. And that's just kind of how the natural world works. And we have to understand that in order to understand that they play by different rules. That's one of the key things. That's how they work, that's how they operate, is by that spatial yard kind of thing. And it varies whether or not it's a more aggressive type, predatory type Vatir, or if it's more like deer kind of, uh, more placid and peaceful kind of Vatir. It varies, so you gotta get to know them, understand, and then figure out where the boundaries are and what kind of respect you need to give them, what kind of taboos you need to put in place so that you can have these well-established boundaries and have them respected. So anyway, I'm gonna let it go because I'm gonna keep rambling on because I love the subject of Vatir. It's a wonderful thing to get off into. Um, there's a lot of spirit work that involves dealing with the Vatir. Um, a lot of the kind of metaphysical, magical side of things, the spiritual side of things is interacting with the spirits. And so there's a lot of, you know, utilizing the spirits of objects, of spaces and things like that, working with them to create an effect. And so I like to revisit the Vatir frequently. Uh, Husvatir is a huge thing for me, um, largely because um, hearth culture is so important. And the Husvatir is the god of the hearth. It's the god of the homestead. Uh, that is the key figure in the, in the yard. And so you've got them, you've got the ancestors, which we definitely need to revisit on the ancestors again just because i think it's time to, to delve a little more deeply into that and i've had some requests for it so i'm going to honor that and jump into that subject here soon so anyway thank you guys <laughs> really appreciate it hail to you all and may your hearth fires burn bright <laughs>